This is Workflow, Episode 2. Workflow is the podcast that helps teams figure out the best way to work, collaborate, and get stuff done. Brought to you by Rindle. Hey everyone, I'm Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Rindle and also your host for Workflow. Today we're talking about time tracking. All right, Tom, so before we start talking about time tracking, uh, let's uh, give a little update what's going on in Rindle. Sure. So uh, we are in the process of uh, testing what we call V3, which uh, is basically a big structural change um, to, to Rindle behind the scenes. And uh, it's also adding uh, some new features. One of the uh, biggest new feature it's adding is something called mirrors, which uh, maybe you can explain a little more what mirrors are. Uh, basically, I think we originally called them reference tasks and kind of evolved to mirrors. Um, but uh, basically, you can have a task live in two different places at one time, um, and it's really literally the same task. Um, so you don't have to do any d- double data entry or updating in two different places if you need a task to live in two different places. Um, so a couple, um, and I think, Tom, you used uh, the description of kind of it being a shortcut, um, similar to putting a shortcut on your desktop. Exactly. That's exactly basically what it is. Um, and uh, basically everything is shared. So comments and, and uh, assignments and subtasks are all shared uh, across the reference because it's literally uh, pointing to the same exact uh, or mirror, I should say, because it's literally pointing to the same exact car or task. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. We've been fooling around with it. It's so far, it's feeling pretty interesting to, to use. Yeah, I'm excited. I think we're, you know, still fleshing out kind of use cases, but I think a simple use case that I'm excited to to kind of implement on our side that I think probably relates to most people. But, um, you know, every week we have a marketing meeting and um, our head of marketing, you know, kind of takes notes and, and documents that in a task and says, okay, we had a call on this day. Here's kind of what we talked about generally and then documents tasks. So we allocate tasks or talk about things that the team has to do. Um, those are recorded as subtasks on a task. Um, and what we struggle with, which is great because it's grouped for the meeting, so we can always see, okay, well, these are the tasks that were discussed during that meeting, but we struggle to kind of move those through a workflow. Um, so we could detach them from the task, right? But then they're detached from the meeting reference and, and that context. Um, so mirrors, if we would basically allow us to move those subtasks through a workflow while still letting them sit in that main task from the meeting notes. Sure. So, and that's really one use case I think that everybody can kind of relate to. And then as we mark complete, you know, subtasks, as we mark them complete, as we finish them, they'll, because they're mirrors, will automatically update on that subtask uh, underneath the main meeting notes. So in real time, anybody who looks at that, that main task for the meeting will see what's completed that, you know, of the things that have worked, uh, moved through the workflow. Yep. So. That's, a, that's one use case, and we have other use cases for our kind of product management workflow and other things, um, but we're excited to kind of play around with it and also, you know, get some of our customers on it and see how they use it. Definitely, yeah. It'll hopefully add a little more clarity and higher level view if, if, uh, if it works out properly. So, pretty excited. Cool. So, let's, uh, let's move into the main topic of the day, time tracking, and I think... You know, this has been something that we talk about a lot. Um, we both have history with time tracking mm-hmm. uh, in our in our previous jobs and career path, and um, it comes up today with customer interviews that we have and and things like that. So, 
um, it's a topic dear to our heart. Um, so what, what is your kind of general experience with time tracking in your career? Uh, I, it's a love-hate relationship, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, as someone who has center time, I hate it. Uh, as someone who was in management for a period of time, like it's obviously kind of necessary to some extent. Um, but overall, I think uh, I dislike it more than I like it. Yeah, I think I am the same opinion. Um, you know, um, you and I worked at an agency together in a previous life where we tracked time. And I know that you worked uh, after that at a, a startup who actually tracked time it was a non-agency environment. Um, but I think from that experience, um, you know, I was definitely scarred for life uh, after sure. having to track time for five years. Um, and basically fought a battle there as well to see if, are there other ways to do this? Can we not track time? So um, I think our general opinion is that time tracking sucks, though, uh, you know, I think there are definitely some use cases that we can kind of go over that where time tracking makes a lot of sense. Sure. Cool. So let's start out by just talking about like, how is time tracking used today? Just so we kind of outline the picture, right? So creative agency industry, like that's where we come from primarily. And that's obviously a trend that's happened. A lot of agencies track time, um, billable hours, man hours, things like that, um, that, you know, you basically track how much time a project takes, bill your client for it, et cetera. Um, that's pretty common use case. Um, yep. It is interesting though that uh, most times in, in that industry, projects are usually quoted not by the hours though, they're quoted just by like a project as a whole. Um, yeah. So, so it does kind of make it interesting as to why hours are necessarily tracked so uh, carefully. Um, yeah. Because it's not like you just, like in in legal or accounting, you know, you, you're actually billing for the hours that you work. And in a creative agency, typically you're billing per, for the project. So another use case, um, how, how time's tracked today is, you know, freelancers. Um, we work with a couple of freelancers that do this as well. And so if you're, let's say you're freelancing and you're saying, hey, you know, I'll work, um, you know, 20 hours a month for you, right? And mm -hmm. kind of ap apply my time towards whatever you want me to work on. Um, obviously as a freelancer, you'll want to possibly track your time to make sure that, Hey, well, I'm not, you know, make sure I'm not, not doing 30 hours in instead of 20, like I promised, cause that affects the bottom line. Um, it may not be necessary to submit a timesheet in, um, but it is internally as a freelancer to track kind of your promise to the customer and also that you don't go over. Um, so I know we work with some freelancers too, that, you know, we have that exact relationship basically, and we don't necessarily ask for a timesheet. Um, but we do have an understanding that, hey, you know, you're going to work 20 hours a month for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that we are kind of unique that we're not like looking for a timesheet in that scenario. But I think a lot of people actually are interested in seeing a, a pretty granular breakdown when it comes to freelancers. So, I mean, as much as we don't like it from our agency background, I think maybe in a, in a freelancer scenario, I, no matter what the conclusion is, I think it, it kind of is a necessary evil, right? For, for everyone's sanity, for the freelancer to make sure they're getting paid properly and, and uh, for the company who that freelancer is working for. So another use case, you even just touched on it earlier, um, are firms, like legal firms, accounting firms. Um, so they're, you know, inherently or historically track time and bill by the hour uh, for things. Um, and I think that's what's driven a lot of what's happening in other industries uh, from those industries. Um, and in addition to that, um, just man hour services. So things like, you know, lawn mowing and cleaning houses and other services like that. 
uh, if you're kind of tracking or billing by your man hours and how long it takes you to do something that's typical in that kind of service business. So that's kind of a quick overview of just kind of how tra time tracking is used. And uh, I think we can talk about, you know, why we think time tracking sucks so much. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the biggest thing for me has always been just that it's inaccurate. Um, for me, just the, the, if you're relying on humans to enter time and track time um, for various reasons, it, it's inaccurate. And most of the time is that people don't like tracking time for one. Um, but secondly, a lot of times they don't do it diligently. They don't, they, they were like, Oh, I'll do it at the end of the week or whatever it might be. And they don't remember. So there, there's no way that they can actually track it accurately. Um, so I don't know if you have any experience in that area. Yeah, I, I agree that it's not accurate. I also think it, uh, kind of deters from, uh, you know, the, the creative process if you will. Right. Like, uh, so if you're in the middle of, of doing something and, uh, you're not thinking about tracking time necessarily. You're thinking about whatever, whatever you're working on. So like, it's, it's hard to like train yourself to be like, Oh, let me, let me stop what I'm doing. Go make sure I'm tracking the hours properly, uh, for this, then jump back to what I'm doing. And then you're only doing that thing for maybe like a half an hour and then you switch to something else. Like it, it, it seems like absolutely like an inaccuracy because that, then you, that's what you should do. Right. But like, ultimately that's not what you probably do and you're never going to be able to go back and be like, okay, yeah, I, I spent 45 minutes on this project and an hour on this project and, and a half an hour in between on these two things, like, because I got an email and it's just, it definitely is inaccurate. Yeah. That's a good use case. Cause I mean, people inherently just don't work like that, right? They don't work start, stop, start, stop. Um, especially if you're doing anything creative or anything that has to, you know, requires a lot of thought or some time to put effort in, like you just don't think to be like, oh, let me stop, track my time now and pick back up again. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard to kind of get into that mindset, even as a, you know, a creative person, or maybe even as a coder, as a developer, you know, you're, you're in the groove, you don't want to stop and be like, okay, let me stop and track my time to this project, I'm moving on to something else. Or especially if you, like in the world that we live in, right, like, especially in agency world where everything is kind of rushed, and you get interrupted with something, and you have to switch kind of rapidly, uh, because you are on multiple projects at the same time. And if something comes in from a client or, or a project manager, you, you typically stop and look at that. Right. Um, so it, it is very, it's difficult. Yeah. I think too, like just to add to the inaccuracy is, you know, potentially deliberate misuse. So because, and, and we experienced this even, you know, at, at the agency work, we worked out together, but you know, people would, would be four weeks behind on time tracking. If not more. Right. Yeah. If not more, which which should never really happen, but you know if it is happening in your environment, you probably feel this pain. But there's just no way that that person can track those correctly. So there's kind of just kind of padding hours in places, just putting blocks of time in places, just trying to get your time in. And by no means is that accurate. Um, it's not helping the budget or whatever you're trying to track with that time for that project. Um, so you know if you're letting that, I, I think every time every week at our agency you know, there was an email that went out of people who didn't submit their time yet every week. Yep. I don't think there was ever a single week where everybody submitted their time. And you never really wanted to be on that email, but the right. same people typically were every single week. And that, that actually kind of leads right into uh, the next major thing, which is it, it definitely affects the culture when you actually are sending out emails like that to like company wide, like, Oh, you forgot your, your, your time. Um, but also the same people are on it every, every week and, and, uh, it kind of uh, is just like, well, clearly this doesn't matter too much if, if 
management isn't like, you know, going to these people and be like, you need to take care of this, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. well, I think, yeah, I think inherently if you're, if you're, if you're talking more about time tracking than you are about project work, that's a problem. Um, and I think I experienced that personally, um, not only with the Friday emails and everybody's going, oh, who's on a list? Who's not on a list? Uh, you know, tracking down the people who are too lazy to track time and talking about that and gossiping. Um, but even down to the project work where, you know, I would potentially pull somebody into a meeting, a brainstorming meeting, because I thought they could add some value. And, and my boss is telling me, hey, um, do you know how much that person costs an hour? Or do you have the budget for that? Yeah. So immediately we're, we're talking about now hours instead of the deliverable or, you know, providing a great result for the client. Well, yeah. So it hurts the client. It's also micromanagement, if you will. Right. Like, like people, people are like watching what you're doing or how, how long you spend, you know, at the water cooler. Uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah. Off-putting. <laughs> yeah. I think that that gets to the point of the big brother, right? So if yeah. you're, if you're asking people to track time, um, you know, why is that? Um, and, and I think some of the reasons are, well, you know, we're trying to track time to figure out if projects are profitable. Um, so we, at the end, at the end of the project, we can look back and say, yep, we spent exactly the amount of time we thought and we're profitable or not. Um, the other thing, uh, very common thing is, are people being productive, right? Mm -hmm. Are they actually putting in time every day? Are they working? Are they slacking off? You know, if they don't track their time, they're not doing anything. Um, so it really becomes this big brother thing. And I think it's even a bigger problem because, uh, even in our, um, agency, like we had people who had to track time and then there's some people who didn't have to track time. Mm -hmm. So yep. it all, it creates this divide, you know, we're like, Oh, the peons are tracking their time and every little hour needs to be tracked and the management and above or whatever, you know, don't have to track time because they're better than us. Um, I, I think that that big whole big brother feel just affects the culture more than you know. And you think, you know, oh, we're going to track time, we're going to understand so many things. But in the end, you're affecting the culture so much, you know, the customer is a secondary thought, you're talking about time most of the time. And, and you're basically, you know, looking over everybody's shoulder all day long, trying to track every little thing they're doing. Uh, it's just such a negative uh, culture. And, and in our case, in an agency world, like that was terrible, because we we're supposed to be creative. So how, how can you be creative? If, if most of the time you're talking about these things? But it is like a false sense of control um, be, because it's not actually the the managers directly above those people that are are worried about those hours. It's the managers above the managers. It's like the higher level people at the company that are attempting to like use this time as a, a mechanism to determine how like how utilized uh, the employees were. And uh, all you had to do is kind of talk to the the managers to to know like oh this person is working a ton versus this person's not working a, a lot right like but you know you you can't really just go off the hours to determine that it's really you have to that's why you have a layer of management in place right like yeah in order and, to figure it out you know and if you're a manager if you're managing your team correctly you will understand if people are being productive or not if people mm -hmm. aren't doing their job you should know and if you're not then the management needs to be you know the management kind of approach needs to be improved um but the timesheet is, is just a flat number it's not going to tell you how productive somebody is it's not going to tell you how creative or how good of a job they're doing um it's not going to tell you how they're affecting the bottom line for client projects or whatever it is they're doing it's just not going to tell you that it's going to literally just tell you that they put time in somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and when it comes to even like things like development, like you can't even compare like 
time entries from two different people because there's there's so many variables that could affect like why one like the same item might have taken like two hours on one project and four hours on another project there there's yeah. just so much going on there yeah it does affect all these things that we're talking about like it's inaccurate it affects the culture it gives you a false sense of control yet we do it just because you know it is kind of uh, an easy way for us to wrap our heads around like well how can we measure this right mm -hmm. and time is just kind of a go-to right like oh obviously we'll just track hours um but you really have to consider if that's the case you know it, does it make sense does it fit well into my business and is it affecting my business in other places where it's not worth it right or, or and ask yourself the question basically yeah are there other ways to do this is the hour the only measuring tool that we have available to us or can we measure our projects in different ways beyond those three things we just mentioned that you know the fact that it takes time to track time has always been insanity to me. I, I literally had to track my time every Friday and I would put a time entry in for 50 minutes to track my time or every day uh, I would do put in 50 minutes. Um, so the fact that I'm actually tracking time against tracking time is just, you got to take a look and say, is this, is this really helping? So, so when does it make sense though? When does it make sense to track time? So yeah, some use cases for time tracking that do make sense. Um, you know, when you're delivering time as a product and, and not things, I think it makes sense. So like even some of the examples we gave earlier as far as, you know, uh, the different types of time tracking that, that happen, you have creative, creative agencies, freelancers, firms, et cetera. So, you know, lawyers are a great example of, of selling time um, or any kind of, really any kind of consultant to me. So if you're hopping on a call and somebody's paying you for your time and you're going to be on that call for an hour and you're going to bill out for that hour, you're, you're literally selling time. Well, like any, I think maybe any like service that you're providing, like you're providing the service to them, like uh, copywriters are probably another good example, right? Because they're doing a specific thing, like not maybe copywriters as much as copy editors. Like if you're just editing copy, like it's, you're doing edits for a fixed period of time and you're charging someone for that, right? Like, yeah. I, I think it might make sense in that scenario versus creative, which doesn't necessarily make sense, right? Well, I think, you know, too, to that point, you know, with the copy editing and things like that, but, you know, a freelancer, like that use case we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. you know, somebody who is, is charging you for your time to do something, and that could include copy editing, it could include, you know, tweaking some Facebook ads, whatever it might be, but they're really selling their time at that point. They're not selling a thing or a project. And I think that's like you you were just transitioning into kind of, you know, well, agencies like we used to work at, they sell yes, they're, everybody's using time, but they're ultimately selling a thing. They're selling a project, an application, whatever, a video, right? Whatever they're building, it's a tangible thing that has a start and an end uh, that they're delivering. Um, so I think that's where it, it starts to break apart a little bit because it really makes sense for when you're, you're literally selling time um, compared to when you're selling a project um, is just a different animal. Cool, yeah, so, but how do you figure out like, uh, so I am, I'm an agency and I'm, I'm selling a thing, right? So I'm selling uh, a logo. How, how do I figure out how much to charge for that logo if I don't kind of use time as some sort of gauge? When I give my opinion to people about, hey, you know, should I track time or not? Or we track time, I usually lead in with, well, I don't like tracking time for these reasons, right? For a lot of reasons we already discussed today. And the argument is, is always, well, well, how do I know how much my projects cost, right? You know, one thing to to kind of know where your costs lie are, are using benchmarks. So using time tracking to create benchmarks isn't a bad idea. 
right? So if you're doing your first landing page you ever did or your first logo design you ever did, um, track the time against it. Um, but you're not making it a practice where you're tracking time against every logo, you know, for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when you get into the, the problems that we talked about before, where it starts to affect the culture and you're, you think you have uh, accurate reports and you really don't all these things. So if you use it as a benchmark, then you at least can do an analysis and say, okay, you know, this logo or do three logo projects and track time, right? So the average time was, you know, X and the average cost is $3,000 for a logo, right? Whatever it might be. Um, and you can use that as a baseline then or a benchmark to then create your pricing strategy for logo design. That is something you can revisit too every year, right? So if times change, if resources change, things like that, you know, do a couple more benchmarks at the beginning of the next year, see if they're still intact, has it gone up, has it gone down, the reasons why, and adjust accordingly. And then the other question I get a lot is, well, you know, how do I make make the project profitable? You know, or how do I understand if the project is profitable if I'm not tracking time? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this definitely gets into a bigger, bigger discussion about just ha- how you price your, your projects in general um, and how you think about pricing. Um, and one thing that I personally used um, was something called value-based pricing. Um, instead of thinking hourly for everything and how many hours does it take to do something and then I will mark it up by this much percentage and I will sell it to my customer, um, start thinking more about the value that we're bringing um, to the table and charge accordingly. Um, and that main concept basically came from the Win Without Pitching Manifesto book by Blair Enns. Um, and I implemented that concept in the agency I worked at after um, the agency we worked together in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So this was in New York. And, you know, it, it basically immediately, you know, we didn't track time, you know, to begin with. Um, and we used this value-based pricing strategy. Um, and the whole attitude of the agency was completely different. I mean, everybody was way more upbeat, way more positive. Nobody talked about time and this and that. Um, and, and we collaborated around project and, and you know, customer problems as a team. And there was no discussion, well, don't pull this person in, they're too expensive, or that's going to drive your cost up and all those things. And I think the key to, to value-based pricing is that you know, hopefully you're building in enough value there and the price is high enough that it, it will cover possible issues or things that you might consider going over budget when you price it by the hour um, and then you have to deal with change orders and stuff like that. If you value price, you may not even need to do a change order because you have enough value built in where it's like, hey, you know what? We see this issue. It's a little bit of a change, but we're just going to over deliver and make the customer happy and not make it about these petty little changes and stuff, right? So, um, but I think in the end, I think that approach, when if you think of your team as value-based people, so when you think of a problem, it's not just, well, I'm gonna code a page for you and deliver that page to you. That is very hourly based, but what about all the strategy and things when a, when a customer comes to you and says, well, you know, we don't know, do, should we do a landing page? What kind of marketing approach should we take? How should we present this? That's all strategy. So in that is not an hourly thing. It's, it's a value thing. Like, do we bring enough expertise to the table where we could charge enough money for this project uh, and not worry so much about how many hours it's going to take? So it sounds like that fixed the culture problem, but uh, like, does it improve the, the final deliverable? I believe it did um, could, because I never felt the, uh, I never felt stretched or I never felt that I didn't have the right people in the room mm-hmm. um, where previously I always did. 
Um, and, and, you know, it was always about, oh, you know, if you bring these people on, they're going to start putting hours on the project and all these things. So I always felt like, you know, it, we were more efficient because we collaborated more efficiently. Uh, we pulled the right people in a room. We got to the bottom line and got to a, a solution a lot quicker um, as opposed to kind of beating around a bush and then maybe doing something that wasn't so great then having to go back and change it. Um, so I, I thought it was, I and mean, of course there's, there's situations of course, where if you pull in everybody, you know, and their brother, um, into a project and you run it for four weeks, obviously you're using tons of resources, right? So there's obviously judgment involved here. Um, but for the most part, I think that really gets into, well, you know, what's the answer to, well, you're so against the track of time, then what is the answer? I think value-based pricing does have a lot to do with it. Um, and you know, if you if you start to think of your your agency as or your company or whatever as an hourly deliverable, uh, it it really becomes more of a commodity, right? And you are positioning your company based on price, right? So you're basically saying like, oh, what what did the other agency quote you for? Oh, we can beat that, right? So it, it automatically becomes a price positioning strategy, right? Um, and you're always going to be up against it. And and this is even other another example of this is too. You know, we, and I know, Tom, you remember this probably too, but we used to, you know, underbid the first project, right, with the customer because sure. they're, yep. they're a big client, right? And, you know, we're going to win their business. And then in the long run, we're going to make that money back, right? <laughs> yeah. But the problem is you've already set the tone with what kind of agency you are, what kind of company you are with the first proposal, right? Yeah. You already said we are, we are a, 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 um, a thrifty solution, right? We are not the higher end more costly solution that's going to deliver an awesome result for you, we're going to be the cheap agency. Yeah. Um, and then when you try to go raise that price later, they're like, wait a minute, I thought we signed on with the cheap agency. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it's a whole mindset, of, and which is why sometimes it's hard to change. If you're already setting that tone and positioning your company that way, it's really hard to change sometimes. But it's really a, a mindset and approach of the whole company. It's like, hey, we, are, we have experts here. We're really good at what we do. And we're going to position ourselves that way and we're going to charge for it and we're going to be profitable. Like we're going to put time in and if a customer doesn't want to work with us because we're charging too much, then they're, they're not a fit. If you're not losing the customers and people are saying, well, you're too expensive, then you're not charging enough. Probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, said time and time again, especially in, uh, in software development, like our SaaS software, uh, that most people, 99% of people are not charging enough for their, their products, right? Like they could definitely be charging more if they're if they're providing enough yeah. value, they could be charging more. But no, no one wants to like. Uh, I think it's this um, feeling that you you're not good enough, right? You're never quite good enough, uh, especially if you're really close to the the product. So it's it's hard to be like, oh man, I want to charge more and more and more. You know, I'd rather have a handful of clients that are paying me great profit margin. I'm making money on projects. And also all my attention can go to that group of customers, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not spread all over the place dealing with all the smaller customers who really aren't a fit, but we're trying to make them a fit because we never want to say no to money. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would relate that to even how we handle Rindle, our business, right? So, you know, we are not a freemium product, right? We, we, we chose to go that direction. We are pay for only product. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with how we service our customers as well. Every customer we help and support are, is a, they're a paying customer. You know, we are not taking any of your attention as far as feature requests or, or, you know, training or help or support or any of those things to kind of a free customer base who are not contributing um, and paying for the product. 
Um, so I, I look at it that way, you know, as far as an agency or, or any kind of service business. It's like, you know, you got to pick your ideal client. If you're not making money on those clients, it's not very smart to continue doing business with those kind of clients. Well, and, and it, that does go back to also the agency, how agencies might try to, they, they are trying to constantly like get business or whatever, but may, maybe they shouldn't be taking uh, jobs that they're not a perfect fit for. Right. So if right. you, if, if you are doing website development and you mainly use WordPress, like you shouldn't take a Drupal job, right? Just because it's, it's a paying job. Like you got, you got to draw the line somewhere uh, and, and stick to that because if you, if you don't, then you can't charge properly and, and you will go like way over uh, budget, if you will, no matter how you're, you're pricing the project because you're, you're not, you don't have a focus like like you were saying before you need to need to have a focus yeah i think if you can get down to like what you're saying like really you know have a strategy as far as what you're offering like obviously the more you'll understand about your product offering and your service right so when you talk about pricing well how do i understand profitability and costs well if you're just doing websites with wordpress it's a lot easier to understand that than it is if i'm doing drupal custom cms all of these other things right absolutely um, so yeah i think it's uh, you know that makes a, a lot of sense and i think that and then if you want to grow your business and strategically go after Drupal customers next, that's fine. Do that, but do it in a controlled way as a, as a business growth way, not as a, I'm just going to take anything that comes in because then you're just scattering resources because you're going to have to hire Drupal experts, right? You're going to have to train your sales team on how to sell Drupal. What, how is it different than WordPress? What are the benefits, right? All of this goes into play. And I think that's what, uh, when you get into that scenario where you're just kind of grabbing everything that comes your way, no, it really starts to fall apart quickly. And that's when you start running into problems because people are selling something they don't understand. People are implementing something they don't understand. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think if you actually did that, then uh, tracking time might not even ever come up because if, if you're only doing WordPress and you know, WordPress, you know, it costs this amount because that's how much roughly time it takes us to do this. Right. Like, uh, why do you need to track the hours? You, you, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You 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 know roughly how many hours it is within a margin of error. Um, yep. I, I think Thirty Seven Signals actually perfected that with their like. They, I think they used to charge a flat fee for website development and pay by the week, and it was one page per week, uh, some something along the lines of that, and um, that was the whole team on on the web page for that one week, and they, their deliverable was one page and. Uh, that was that, right? Like, uh, if they spent less time or more time on it, that, that just, it is what it, it was, what it was. Yeah. I think that's a perfect example of, is there another way that we can look at our costs and profitability, right? So they broke it down by, Hey, we're selling things by week. And, and we understand that, you know, that exactly the amount of people that's going to work on it for that week, we understand our costs and we understand what we're selling it for. It's really easy to break that down. Mm -hmm. Um, it really took the complexity out of it. Um, I used something called team strength. Um, in, in my, when we weren't tracking time at that one agency I worked at, uh, we looked at team strength. So at the end of a project or even estimating a project, I look at, well, what are the, you know, who are the team members we think we're going to need to execute this project? Um, then I would just look at, you know, their, their, their value as far as cost and be able to put together, okay, if I have this team work on it for eight weeks, based on the value of that team working, you know, each week, seven, six, five days a week, you know, here's my general cost for the project. So that's a really quick way without getting into tracking time and looking at a whole bunch of historical data that's not accurate, just to understand quickly, like generally this is what my cost is going to be. So when I go to estimate that project, you know, if I'm, if I have some experience in estimating kind of, well, this generally how long this type of project comes in, 
you know, we can get there pretty quickly uh, without going through tons of data. Um, so I think, again, that's something we used as a tool. Uh, and I would also look at that post project. I would just look back at who worked on it, do a quick analysis and understand generally if we're profitable. Um, but again, if you're focused on a value pricing, then that's even less of an issue. If you're really, if your margins are high enough, you're less concerned about that, which takes it away from like, who cares about tracking time? We're delivering amazing things for our client. One of the other things that people ask me all the time too in this conversation is, well, you know, how do I know if people like, if they're ripping me off, if my employees are ripping me off, if they're not working, like we talked a little bit about this earlier, but, um, and I think I always say to them is like, well, you need to be hiring good, talented people. Um, that essentially you will earn their trust and, and understand that, hey, these guys are great, they're talented, and I'm not worried so much if they're ripping me off. And again, if you have good management in place, then, you know, you don't have to worry so much about, you know, if they're productive. Your manager should know that. If somebody isn't, then they shouldn't be working there anyway. It's probably uh, a talk for another day, but h- hiring good people is, is very difficult to do, and it takes a long time. Yeah, uh, and that it's, is hard. Very- it's hard to find good people. Um, awesome. So let's wrap this up and talk about just some tips for, for taking action. Um, so, you know, if you're an agency, um, which, you know, our background, a lot of the examples we gave today are from the agency background. A lot of our customer base are, are agencies. Um, give uh, the win without pitching manifesto. Give that a read. Because um, that's something that definitely, when I was looking to change the way that we worked in that new agency I went to in New York City, that I started with that book and it really gave me the kind of motivation and understanding of how this could work. Um, a lot of the things we talked about today are in there. Um, they even get into, you know, how to pitch your agency, how to structure your whole agency, how to close deals with clients and how, how to price everything and, and um, start there. So if you're an agency, um, if you track time in general, um, there's an article by Adam Morgan from Adobe that is when I read it, I was like, you go, that's exactly what we think. Um, and that's a really great place to start too, because it really summarizes our opinion here that we laid out, uh, plus some other really good points. Um, and it's from somebody who works at a larger company like Adobe, uh, and the insight is very similar. So this is you know, not only happening in uh, agencies or smaller companies or whatever the scenario might be, it's happening at Adobe as well. Um, so it's a great other, other reference, and we'll put a link to that in uh, show notes. Um, Another thing you should do is ask yourself a question, you know, why do you track time today if you're doing it? Um, and, and based on those reasons that you come up with, are there other ways to accomplish the same things without tracking time? And when you think about that stuff, think about the points that we brought up today about them being inaccurate, um, you know, about changing the culture and things like that, you know, is the payoff there? And I would say from there, even make a pros and cons list, right? So what are the pros of tracking time and really analyze, well, are you seeing some of the issues that we talked about today in your own business and make the list of cons because you might be surprised as to, you know, how much this is affecting your business. And if you can look at some different ways to track time or d- different ways to get the results from tracking time, um, it might do your business a lot of good. Um, and then if you don't know where to start, do a test. And I always say, you know, try to start with a benchmark of a test project. So, you know, track time for a project, then the next project, don't track the time and use the benchmark as a guide. See if that works. It's only one project. It's not going to, you know, hurt anything. Um, so you can then start to understand, well, hey, did it, did it actually change anything? Um, did we still have an understanding of what was going on? Uh, and you can start there and kind of evaluate and kind of progress and get more aggressive from there. I think also if you are uh, in a management position, maybe ask yourself how how often have I actually gone back to to look at 
the time that's been tracked. Because uh, yeah. I think a lot of people would be surprised how little they actually use that. And uh, it takes a lot to put that in there. But if you, if you never use it, what's the point? Well, I think that about wraps us up for the day. If you have a question for us, you can call it into our voicemail number at 860-577-2293. Or you can email it to us at workflow at Our theme music is an excerpt from Thunder Rock by Magic Studio, used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for Workflow and visit rindle.com slash workflow-podcast for a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.